We're in week two of a series, Resurrection. Last week, Pastor Ryan, a university pastor, he began to um, he start, he launched our series with Get Up. The title was Get Up. If you're looking for um, a, 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 a subtitle for this whole series, it would be Get Up because Resurrection is about getting up, right? Resurrection is about getting up for something that has died. And, and you know what? God is calling us to not stay in, in a place for too long, but we need to get back up and keep going forward. And if you're looking for a subheading for my title, it, it's the word, it's probably the opposite of get up, it's, but it's called setback. 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 Turn to the person next to you say setback. Setback. Now, when I was, when I was in, in primary school, um, my mates, they decided we should join the school choir. And I didn't realize that, that uh, you need to audition. And I didn't even realize that you had to audition by yourself. And so uh, here's me sitting in my, uh, my audition for the, in the primary school. And, the, and then you got the teacher sitting at a, I don't know they're going to sit at a piano. I don't know that they're going to press a chord on the piano. Like, ding. And they said, sing that back to you. And I was going, what am I? A piano? You know, how am I going to do that? Needless to say, I didn't make the school choir that year. In fact, I never made the school choir any year after that. Right? Who wants to be in a stupid choir anyway? Do you know why? Do you know why we don't have a choir in this church? No, just kidding. We're not going to get there. No, it's great. Has anybody ever sung in a choir before? If you have, good on you. They're great. I love choirs. Choirs are good. My, my wife's a choir master, and so she's pretty good. So I want to, I want to, I want to can, can, if you're the choir master, could I get into the choir? Okay. <laughs> okay, let's carry on. So the title of my, so the message is really, how do you recover from a setback? How do you recover? How do you re- get recover when, you, when you've been told that, you, that you're not in the choir? How do you recover? How do you require when, you, when, you, when you're told that you're not good enough? How do you recover when the doctors give you an unfavorable report? How do you recover when everything that you work for has lost. How do you recover? How do you recover when your loved one, loved one of your life is gone? How do you recover from that? And when I think about Lazarus in the Bible, I think Lazarus has got to be one of the most famous people that Jesus has ever resurrected, brought back to life. And the reason being is because Lazarus, he was dead for four days. He was dead for four days. They already sung the funeral songs. They already prepared his body for funeral. And he was already buried and the stone had been rolled in front of his tomb. So he was dead for four days, but Jesus still brought Lazarus back to life, even though he was dead for four days. But just before Jesus brings Lazarus back to life, just before Jesus resurrects Lazarus, he he arrives at the tomb, and the people are in mourning. And here is where we find the shortest Bible verse in the English translation um, of our Bible. And in fact, it's found in John chapter 11, verse 35. It's the, shortest, it's, the, it's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. So if you want to start to mem- begin to memorize scriptures, maybe this might be a good place to start uh, to memorize scripture. You know, I've, I've memorized my first scripture. Jesus wept. Oh, where's that found? John, somewhere, John. In there. <laughs> Jesus wept. Do you know why? Do you know why it's the shortest scripture? The reason why I believe it's a shorter scripture is because you, you're not meant to cry too long. There's a time to go through pain, but you can't stay there. Or you'll get stuck. 
You cannot stay in a state of grief for too long or begin to eat up um, parts of your life. You can't stay there too long. Do you know what I love about the Bible? The Bible is full of people like you and me, people who struggle with, with, with setbacks, people who, who are stuck in a state, for, state of grief. But what I love about the Bible, the Bible, uh, it shows the way out, how to get out of that situation. So today we're going to be focusing on, on setbacks and how to get over, how do we recover from a setback. And the, and the scripture, the verse that I want to focus on is probably one of the most peculiar verses in the Bible. It's very peculiar and it's very strange. And this is it. It's found in the Old Testament in 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 20 to 21. And it reads, Elisha died and was buried. Now Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. Once while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders. So they threw the man's body into Elijah's tomb. And here's the peculiar part of this whole scripture. And it says this, when the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. And if you weren't paying attention to this passage, it's so easy for us to miss this tiny little verse that's sandwiched between this, these narratives, the, 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 the passage before this narrative is like Elisha's talking to the king. Elisha's telling the king, strike the arrows on the ground. Next you know, Elisha's dead. Um, these people throw this dead body into Elisha's tomb. The body touches the bones of Elisha. The guy comes back to life. Then it goes on to the next narrative, which, is, which goes on to say that like, oh, uh, and then the next king came, the next king, king arose and, and all these things. And, and it's kind of like really strange. It's like sandwiching, there's this little passage is kind of peculiar and, and it's like what, why is this even there and it's so easy for us to miss it it's so easy for us to read past it it's so easy for us just to see it as a blimp on the radar and we're like, what, did you see that see what oh no it was there but it's gone you know well let's carry on so why is it there who is this Elijah guy who is this Elijah guy and to really understand Elijah you got to understand Elijah's predecessor his name was very similar to Elisha his name was Elijah Elijah, Elijah and Elisha. To really understand this whole passage, that I really want us to understand who Elijah and Elisha was. These were two of the most prominent prophets that you will find in the Old Testament, the most prominent prophets. They turned up at a time when Israel was at its, one of its darkest times in its history. It was led by evil kings. And, and God chose Elijah and Elisha to champion the cause of righteousness. So the ministry of Elijah... The predecessor of Elisha, his life, his ministry began seven, 740 years before Jesus was born. So 740 BC is the setting of Elijah. So who is Elijah? Who is this guy, this, this mighty man of God that even Jesus will mention Elijah in the gospel narratives? So Elijah, he, he performed many miracles. One of the miracles that is one of my favorites is when Elijah has a contest against the priest of Baal, the priest of Baal. And, and you know, when I have a contest with somebody, I will say, hey, let's have a push-up competition, right? Okay, more likely I'll say, hey, let's have an eating competition. That's probably more realistic. Okay, let's have an eating competition, right? And that's the kind of contest I would have with somebody. But Elijah, here's another, here's another thing in, in mind when it comes to, to a contest with these, these priests of Baal. Elijah was the last prophet of God left. There were about 450 
um, priests of Baal. Baal was a, was a god where they sacrificed babies and um, towards towards this God, this detestable God. And Israel had gotten to such a dark place that these practices were happening in, in God's own country. So Elijah said, okay, I'm going to give you a contest. This is what we're going to do. We're going to, let's, let's build an altar. Let's, like, let's build an altar and uh, you know what? Let's get a bull each and let's chop it up. Let's put it on some sticks. And then let's just call out to our God. And who is it? who's ever God burns the offering up wins. Right? Sounds like a contest that we'll challenge somebody to, right? And so Elijah goes, okay, you priest of Baal, there's 450 of you guys, you guys start. So they get their bull, sacrifice it, cut it up, put it on their sticks, and then they're marching around this altar, and they're calling out to their gods, and they even, the Bible even tells them they start cutting themselves, cutting themselves, and, and, and you know, cutting is a spiritual thing, and, 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 and has, uh, has demonic roots in it, and they, because it's part of their rituals, cutting, 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 and, and, but still nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. And then Elijah's like, like all day, this goes on for all day. And Elijah's like, he's looking at his watch. Uh, he's got, got the latest watch back in those days, um, 740 BC. And um, he's looking at his watch and he's going, how long are you guys going to go for? In fact, you, when you read the narratives, Elijah begins to mock them. He goes, maybe, maybe your God's gone on a trip. Maybe your God's in the toilet. That's, and that's what he says. The Bible says that, that, that oh, maybe your God has gone to relieve himself. In other words, your God might be still on the toilet. He might be there for some time. Um, tell you what, while he's gone and you're waiting for him, I'm going to get started. So Elijah gets started. And he builds his, rebuilds, the Bible says, rebuilds the, the altar of the Lord. And he grabs 12 stones that represent Israel. And he rebuilds the altar. And he gets sticks, places on top. And he gets his bull, sacrifices it, chops it up to pieces, puts it on top of the altar, right? He's not finished yet. He begins to dig around, digs a trench, digs a trench right around this altar, this deep trench. Then he gets barrels of water and he begins to pour water on top of, of, of the bull and the sticks, the stones. And there's so much water that he pours on top of it that the trench is overflowing with water. Now, I don't know about you, when you're trying to start a fire, you don't pour water all over it. And this is what Elijah does. He pours water on it. Then Elijah stands up and he goes, go, okay, God, it's time for you to show these people who you are, who the real God is. And then Bible tells us that fire falls out of heaven and it just goes whoosh and it makes that sound effect. You, don't think you missed that in the narratives. And it, and it totally burns it up and it burns up the bull. It burns up the sticks. It mounts, even mounts the stones. The stones mount like wax. The water in the trench it, it evaporates and it gets burnt up as well. In fact, the ground is scorched. This is the power of God. And this is Elijah, the prophet of God. Did you know that New Testament will tell, tell us that the same spirit that was inside Elijah is the same spirit that's inside of us? And but in fact, New Testament will tell us that Elijah was just a man, like you and I, or a person if you're a woman. That's like, <laughs> that he's just a man. There's, there's no difference between Elijah and us. It's the same God that lives inside him, the power of God that flows. And Elijah goes, okay, I proved it. Okay, and you guys can kill those priests. And he walks off. <laughs> that's Elijah, and he performs all these other miracles. In fact, Elijah was one of, of only two people who, were, who was taken to heaven uh, and, and never died an earthly death. The first was Enoch, and we'll find Enoch in Genesis. And in Bible tells that Enoch walked with God. Enoch was a friend of God, and then God took Enoch. 
when he was about 60. Took him at a young age, 60. And back then, 60 was like a baby. And so here's Elijah. And Elijah, God, and, 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 and but then he's got a protege. His protege is Elisha. Is Elisha. And, and Elisha's kind of sensing that, that God's going to take Elijah. And so Elisha says to Elijah, his mentor, he says, look, I want to, I want to have double, the double portion of your spirit. I want the double portion of your spirit upon me. And Elijah's like, you know, if you see me go, then you're going to receive that double portion. And as soon as he says this, um, Elijah's Uber arrives in, in, in the chariot of fire. He rolls up chariot of fire and he jumps in and then like a whirlwind, he's gone off to heaven. And then Elisha receives the double portion of Elijah's ministry. So much so that Elisha's ministry will go on for another 60 years and he will do twice as many miracles that Elijah did. Jesus would even quote Quote, would even quote and speak of Elisha and during the gospel narratives. He will say of Elisha, and he said, in, in the days of, of Elisha, there were many lepers in the time of Israel, but only Naaman was healed. And so this is, this is even Jesus quotes uh, Elisha. So we've got these, these, these prophets, Elijah and Elisha. They, they are so prominent that even Jesus quotes these two prophets in the New Testament. And so I'm building a picture on who these guys are, Elijah and Elisha. Elisha's last act on planet Earth happened after he dies. So we get back to the narrative, 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 20 to 21. Elisha died and was buried. We don't know how long he was dead for. He was probably dead for about 60 years because all that was left was his bones. And it says, now Moabite raiders used to enter the country every Spring. It was a it was it was a seasonal occurrence where where Israel would continue had these seasonal setbacks. Have you ever felt like you've had a seasonal setback in your life? Just so happens that every every Christmas your car breaks down. Every Christmas just happens that bill comes in, or whenever you need something, you feel like you just had the setback. Or, or have you ever felt like every time you finally got a step forward in your life, something happens and then you have two steps back. And you take another step forward, something else happens, and another two steps back, and you just keep getting further and further away. You ever feel like that you're just having setback after setback after setback? Then it goes on in verse 21. Once while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders. So, and, I, and I love what they say, once some Israelites were burying a man, meaning their friend was dead. You ever feel like sometimes in your life that everything that, that maybe you've, you've worked for has died? Your hopes and dreams have died. You feel like your marriage is dying. You feel, you, you feel, you feel, feel like that, 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 you're, that, you're, that you're losing control. You know, there's no greater setback than losing your job. There's no greater setback than losing your car. There's no greater setback than losing your house. There's no greater setback than losing your hopes and dreams, and, and here are these guys, they're burying their friend who was dead, and it seems like there's no hope. It seems like the story has finished. It's come to an end. Suddenly they saw a band of raiders, so they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. So the threat was real. Probably their friend was killed by one of these raiders, and they didn't want to add to the count um, to these raiders, of death to these, these raiders, so they're carrying their friend. We love you. We, you know, we're going to miss you. Oh, some raiders, and throw the body in the run. Okay, they're gone. That's what it kind of sounds like. You know, we, 
we will honor you with our life. Oh, and then we're gone. That's kind of like what I'm, when you read this, but the threat was real, right? They, they do this because they'd want to die too, you know? Uh, look, I'm going to honor you with my life, not while I'm dead. And then, and then we find the next, you know, when you think your hopes and dreams are dead, when the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood on his feet. How, I want to read this passage, I was thinking, this great man of God, Elisha, he, he was such a big influence during his lifetime. But what an influence he was after he had died. What a legacy that he left, that he was still affecting the next generation. Wouldn't you want to live a life so much so that one day your great-great-grandchildren will say, I want, a, I want a faith like great-granddad and great-grandma. They live in such a way for God, such a boldness for God, such a life for God that we want one of that for ourselves. I mean, what are we doing today that are leaving a legacy for our children to follow? follow? What are we doing today that, that are setting up our, our families to win or setting up the next? Maybe you, you haven't got a family, but what are you doing to, to set up the other generations around you? What are we doing to live in such a way that we're leaving a last? imprint on, on, on future generations. Isn't it interesting that the instrument that God chose, the instrument that God chose to, to, to bring about a miracle, the instrument that God chose were a pile of bones? I was like, really, God, you used a pile of bones? You know, God will use whichever instrument he chooses to bring forth his purpose. God can use a pile of bones to bring life. He can use a donkey to bring revelation. He can use the hem of a garment. He can use a shadow of a man. He can use a handkerchief to bring healing. God can use a high school dropout. God can use a, a solo parent. He can, he can use a teenage mom. He can use a retiree. He can use anyone. But God really wants to use you. If you're willing to say, God, I'm, I'm stepping out for you. God, use me. You know, God is looking for an instrument to be a vehicle of change, to be a vehicle of life-giving, to begin to bring forth His life and His grace on this planet. Are you willing to be a vehicle of change? Are you, are you willing to be an, you be an instrument used by God for such a time as this? Amen? Amen. Praise God. Better get back to my notes. Because this is the application. When we look at this, 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 this passage you know, whenever, whenever I read Scripture, I'm looking for an application. How can I apply this in my life? And uh, when I look at the application here, this is the application. Elisha had to die to bring life. Elisha had to die to bring life. I said, like, what kind of application is that? Let me tell you that. Let me, tell you, let me go on from there. There are things in your life that you need to let die in order for God to bring life to your purpose. There are things in your life that you need to let die. You know what you need to let die. I don't need to tell you what you, what you need to let die. You already know. You already know, that, uh, you already know the purposes God has for your life. You already know the thing that is holding you back. You already know that what you need to step out. You already know the answer. What's interesting is for most of us, we say, well, I've got an issue. But if we're truly honest, we already know the answer to the issue. But it's so hard to let go of some things that, that, that we we're stuck in. Because we all go through things in our lives where we get stuck. We stay in a state of pain for too long. And it begins to eat us up. 
See, if you've had a setback, get ready for your comeback. You need to get ready for your comeback. How do you get ready? How do you get ready for your comeback? You, you need to die to the things that are holding you back. You need to um, die to a bad relationship. You need to die to that dishonesty in your life, unhealthy habits, unhealthy thought, thoughts in your life. You need to die to unforgiveness. You need to die to the things that are robbing you of your future. You know, God has a plan and purpose for your life, but there's some things that you're holding on to that's robbing you of your future, that is stealing and taking from you. You know exactly what it is. You know exactly what you need to die to. Come on, if you had a setback, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready for your comeback. When you're, when you're down as low as you can go, there's only one way to go, but up. There's nowhere else you need to go but up. In fact, uh, maybe you, you feel like that you've hit rock bottom. There's only one way to, but to keep going up and stand up on your feet and keep going. It's time for your comeback. It's time for your resurrection. See, the next time you hit rock bottom, I want you to remember what God has done for you in the past. Because if he's done it then, if he's gotten through, got you through then, he can do it again. Come on. It's time for you to get up. It's time for you to take hold of your resurrection. It is time for your comeback. Come on. You've already been embarrassed. You've already lost everything. You've already been through trouble. You've already been humiliated. You've already lost your car. I know I've lost a car. Uh, not that I forgot where it was. I just couldn't pay for it. <laughs> You've already been disgraced. Anybody been disgraced before in this place? You've already been talked about. Anybody been talked about in this room? You've already been laughed at. You've already been betrayed. Anybody been betrayed before? You've already, you already had your feelings hurt. You know, oh, I just don't want to hurt, get my feelings hurt. You already had it hurt. Come on. You need to let some of these things die. Come on, some of these things that are robbing you of your future. God is giving you a future where you need to go. He's giving you, this is your, this is your future. It's a future of hope and it's, and it's, a, and it's a future of, um, of prosperity. But the thing that is holding you back think, is the people, some people that you're, you're with is going to stop you from moving forward. Or maybe some of the things that you're doing is going to stop you to, to get to where God has called you to be. So think about the vision that God has put on your heart. Because for most of us, it's like when we're kind of stuck, we find ourselves stuck in a situation. We don't want to be here. But we keep ourselves there because we, we keep ourselves surrounded in, in that stuff. But it's time for us to let that thing go. We need to put, let those things die. Because I'm stepping, I'm stepping into my future. Because see, the resurrection power is on the inside of us. But we've got to walk it out. You've got to walk it out. We've got to walk it out. I mean, if you've had a setback, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get ready for your comeback. Come on. You know, that's the application, Right? I mean, every time you hear a sermon, it's another step to get up. I mean, every time you read your Bible, it's another step to get up. Every time you help a person out, it's another step to get up. Every time you forgive somebody, it's another step up. Come on, if you've had a setback, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready for your comeback. The resurrection power is inside of you, but you've got to work it out. See, God is the God of the comebacks. He's the God of the comebacks. When Jesus was hanging on the cross and the devil thought that he won, God would turn to the angels and says, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready for my comeback. Come on, get ready. Get ready to get your stuff back. Get ready to get your marriage back. Come on. Get ready to get your business back. Get ready to get your life back. Don't just sit back and let it happen. Don't get stuck. Don't just stay in that season. Get ready. Come on. You've got, to walk, you've got to walk it out. Get ready for a comeback. You need to die to the things that are robbing you of your future. There's nothing as dangerous as someone making a comeback. You haven't had a fight unless you've been in a ring with someone who's making a comeback. 
Come on, it's time for a comeback. But you've got to walk it out. Let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus isn't your average person. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am the good shepherd. I love, I love this passage that we read. It's when the man, the dead man, touched the bones of Elisha, he was revived. See, there was contact before there was life. See, God has his hands outstretched, waiting for you to make contact, but you've got to make the contact. You've got to make the contact. Elisha's bones were just laying in there. It wasn't moving. His friends threw the dead body, and as it made contact, he stood up. You've got to make contact. You've got to make touch. You've got to work this. You've got to walk this out. Come on, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to put to death some of these things. You've got to walk it out. Listen, not just sit, God save me, pull me out of there. We, we kind of feel like, help, I'm falling and I can't get up, right? And we just stay there. You know, failure is only fatal and final if we stay there. Failure is never meant for us to stay. We're meant to get up and keep walking. You know, you learn more in failures than you do in success. But you'll never learn if you give up. You, you'll never learn if you just stop. It's easy to quit. It's easy to walk away from something. But are you willing this morning? Are you willing this morning to get ready, get ready, get ready? You've got to get ready. You've got to get ready. Are you ready to get ready for your comeback? Oh, look at that. Are you ready to get ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, restoration is here. The resurrection power is here. You know what's really interesting about this whole passage? Did you know that Elijah and Elisha, the, Elijah and Elisha is a type. And, and the, when I say the word type, type is a, is a theology word. It, it means it's a picture of something to come that's pointing towards Jesus. And God was pointing to a, to a future reconciliation. Elijah means my God is the Lord. See, because God was up to something. Before Jesus began his ministry here on earth, John the Baptist was preparing a way for the Lord. He was preparing a way for the Lord before Jesus began his ministry. And he was leading the people into a place of repentance through the baptism, through water baptism. He was preparing a way. And this is what Jesus would say of, of John. This is what Jesus would say, John is Elijah. So all of a sudden, Jesus begins to point. He's Elijah. Elijah points to John. You know what John means? John, John means the Lord is gracious. The, you know, God has grace for you. He has his hands stretched out. His grace means a free gift that I'm going to give. You don't deserve it. You know, you've spat in my face. You've, you've talked about me. you stomped on my feet. You crucified me, but I'm giving you grace. I'm giving you a gift. Because John means the Lord is gracious. So if Elijah is pointing towards John, Elisha is pointing to Jesus. Because Elisha would overcome death after he was dead and buried. 
He overcame death after he was dead and buried. Do you know what Elisha means? Elisha means God is salvation. God is salvation. See, this peculiar verse that we find on 2 Kings chapter 13 is pointing towards a coming Savior who will die on a cross and be buried, but three days later conquer death by His death. Through the resurrection, He brings life to all mankind. Do you know what Jesus means? Jesus means the Lord is my salvation. The Lord is my salvation. Because grace comes before salvation. But Jesus, God holds out His hands because I'm God, I'm your Lord. And I'm gracious, I'm giving you a gift. You don't deserve it. You've turned your back on me, but I've never turned my back on you. I'm giving a gift. If only you would make contact. Only if you will make contact, you will receive salvation. You will receive life. See, Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is life. He is the king of the comebacks. It's time for you to choose the very best for your future. If you've had a setback, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready for your comeback. Come on, let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, that we're not alone, that you are with us. And Lord, even right now, we feel like we're in a season of a setback. Even if you're feeling right now that you've kind of find yourself stuck. You weren't meant to cry too long. You, you weren't meant to stay there for too long. You weren't meant to get stuck in that season because it's eating you up. But God is holding out His hand and He says, would you take hold of my hand? Would you make contact with me today? Come on. You need to get ready. Get ready. You need to die to those things that are robbing you of your future. Come on, you've got to walk this out. My resurrection power is inside of you. Come on, get yourself ready. Get yourself ready. Come on, get ready for the comeback.